They sent me the first initial proof in the magazine. It's, it's very similar to the shots that they had on the video. And I, and I saw the people that they chose to, to kind of highlight. And I was looking at the photos, and I was like, no, these people. They, like, a camera guy came for a week and like, you know, did his best. And I saw people in those photos, and I was like, these, these are people who have been rescued. I know their story. I know the real blood-bought love that has been poured into them. And when I saw the pictures, I was like, this is so perfect. And I began to cry, and I began to celebrate what Jesus is doing in Newport, in Lincoln County, not just our church, but all the churches that love Jesus. God is moving, and you guys are making space for him in your life. That's why we're here on a Sunday. It's sunny out. You guys got lawns to mow. You got houses to paint. You got stuff to do. But you're here because Jesus is real, because the resurrection happened, because God has a whole different thing for you to tap into and to partake of. And listen, not just to keep to yourself. Isn't this fun being here? So protected from that nasty, gnarly world. <laughs> and yet God says, no, 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 no. I want you to get it, and then I want you to go give it away. Get the salt out of the shaker, okay? It's a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. The Bible says for you and for me who are believers that now thanks be to God in Christ Jesus, 2 Corinthians 2.14, who always leads us in the victory and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Did you know that if you're a believer and you smell funny, you got a fragrance, an aroma about you, there's something different, okay? For some of you guys smell funny more ways than one, but that's a different, different subject, different topic. But if you have Christ in you, you're different. And in your job right now, you've been put over people to manage and to work for and to live next to. No matter where you're at right now, you are there on purpose. God has put you there as an emissary of grace, as an emissary of love. As an emissary of the message of Jesus. This is what we're doing. This is why we gather together on Sundays. It's not really, listen, it's not really about gathering together on Sundays. This, doesn't, this isn't enough. Okay, we got stuff to do. And when we gather here, we learn our objectives and we go out with our directives. And then we have our declarations to the world around us. And that's what we're going to do today in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Pick up your Bibles and turn there. And we're going to study it together as one. And here's what the primary focus of today's message is. And I'm going to say it this way. Listen up. The primary focus of today's message is the resurrection changes everything. It changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. We started the book of Luke in 2016, November 25th, I remember. And Luke started out his epistle and he said this, oh, excellent Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God. I'm writing this account to you that you might be certain of the things which you have received. Hey, Theophilus, I want you to know that you know that you know that you know what you know. So he wrote chapter one, two, all the way through 23. Listen, detailing the life of Jesus the ministry of Jesus, the perfection of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, all up until, listen, finally, the death of Jesus. And we get one chapter, only one chapter of the resurrection of Jesus, then begins the book of Acts, because he hold, told his whole story leading up to the resurrection, because the resurrection changes everything. If you ever get an email from me, at the bottom of my email, there's a digital signature. Okay, it says, Pastor Luke Frechette. There's a SBC logo. There's a link to our, our website. And then below that, for the last 12 years, it has not changed. It says, remember the resurrection. Don't forget. It doesn't say don't forget, but just remember. And why would it say that? And I'm never going to change it. Because when you remember the resurrection, it changes everything for you. Your life will go up and it will go down. It will be in, it will be out. It will be good, it will be bad. I promise you. 
And yet the resurrection changes all of that. It changes your temporal experience and perspective. It changes your eternal experience and perspective. The resurrection, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all telling the story of Jesus, and they all end their book on the resurrection. It's what it's all about. And we get the privilege through Luke's gospel to see what Jesus did on the very first day after he resurrected Easter Sunday. It's what we ended last week. Jesus did stuff. Okay? He started ministries. He pursued people. He went on missions. If he woulda, coulda, shoulda, he woulda bought an espresso machine and a clutch for Tyler in Cyprus. Okay? Jesus does that stuff, and here we are 2,000 years later. Let's study it out so we know what to do with our lives. So we know how important the resurrection is for all of us here this morning. As a matter of fact, let me just let me lay some seed down. 1 Corinthians 15. This is what Paul said. The Bible says that the word of God is like seed. It goes into us and it produces fruit. So I'm going to read it. Paul said this about the resurrection. He said, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you also are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, unless you didn't believe the gospel, Unless I preached it to you. Did you believe it? Did you believe it? Did you believe it? Verse verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Kepha. That's Greek for Peter. He was seen by Peter, and then by the twelve, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to this present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, listen, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles, and then last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. The resurrection. I declared this to you is what he's saying. And in verse 12, he picks up the thought again. This is important. Now, if Christ is preached that he's been raised from the dead. How do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Listen, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. Your faith is also empty. Yes, we're found to be false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. And in fact, the dead do not raise, verse 16, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Stop right there. Eyes up here. Paul declares in 1 Corinthians. Paul wouldn't come on the scene for like 15 more years. And even in this context, maybe 25 years. And when Paul showed up, he's like, guys, 25 years after this event, Resurrection Sunday, Paul shows up because you guys want to know what it's all about? The resurrection. If you believe the gospel, it's because of the resurrection. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, he ends that thought, you're still in your sins. See, the resurrection, I'm going to give you three things to write down and consider applicationally. Why maybe you too, somewhere in your digital signature, can write down, remember the resurrection. Remember. Don't forget. Don't forget. It changes everything. In your darkest days, the resurrection can bring light. The resurrection declares power over your failures. Anybody in here have failures? Past. Don't raise your hand this time. Anybody aware of the fact that your future also has failures? Dang, I don't want that. Don't tell me that. I'm not going to lie to you. And Jesus has given provision 
for your sins. Because of the resurrection, because Jesus came up, three things I want you to consider, three things I want you to write down. The first one is this, that the resurrection shows us that Christ's payment on the cross was accepted, that there is provision for sins. You could write it simply that way. There's provision for my sins. When Christ died, he went to pay for your sins. If he was not a worthy sacrifice, if he was rejected, if it didn't work, he would have stayed dead. Because Christ came up out of the tomb, Abba Father up in heaven says, payment in full because of Jesus. I accept the lamb that was slain. Forgiveness can now be metered out. How in the world are you going to be forgiven of your sins? It's through Jesus Christ. It's through the resurrection. I, I wish and hope and pray that we won't sin moving forward. But I do know that we will. And Christ's payment has been accepted for your past, present, and future sins. The resurrection changes everything. Here's what we call that, by the way. Paul called it the gospel. What does the gospel mean? No, it's a type of music. I'm just kidding. No, no. Gospel music, get that? It's funny, funny. No, you're right. Good news. The gospel, it's good news. It's a declaration. It's a two done. It's over. It's already been established. Okay, when you get the newspaper, they tell you what's going on, don't they? They tell you, well, we think they do. It's kind of fake news sometimes. But they tell you what's going on. Like, Here's what's happened. Here's the news. Take it or leave it. It's news. It's a declaration. Did you know that Christianity is the only religion, if you can call it that with me today, the only religion that has good news? There's not one other religion with good news. Every other religion, Buddhism, Islam, the other counterfeit cults, all the other religions, you know what they have? Good advice. And even the advice they offer is not always good. Okay? Buddhism has some good advice, some pithy, wise sayings, some things that, man, if I just figured that out, I'd be a better person if I did that. Yeah, good, good job, Buddha. It's good advice, and you can read it and say, I'm going to do that. There is no good news. Do you, do you see the difference? News is a declaration of what's already been done. Advice is do this, and maybe it'll go good for you. But if you're like me, darn it, I can get all the good advice that anybody can even retain, and that doesn't necessarily equate to any transformation in my life. I'm still stuck with Luke Frechette. I've read, have, you ever, have you ever read a really good book before? And then you looked at the mirror and you're still the same person you were before you read it. And this book's full of good advice. You know, how to be the richest person in the world. Oh, it didn't work. You know, or how to, how to be effective. Seven effective habits of highly effective people. And you're still you. The gospel and the resurrection is God's provision for your sins. It's called the good news. You have been forgiven. I don't personally need any more good advice. I just don't need it. I need someone to set me free. Good news for you, Luke Rochette. Okay? There's good news for you, Ursula. Okay? There's good news for you, Christy. Okay? There's good news for you, Fred. Good news. You've been forgiven. Man. And this is what we get to share with other people. Good news. I, I get to do this in my profession. I meet with people caught in situations, difficulties, relationships upside down. And without any condescending judgmental advice, I can with authority hold hands, put myself in their shoes and say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. I might not be able to put back together what's happening and there might be chaos. As a matter of fact, this morning I was walking into Starbucks on the way here. And as I walked into Starbucks, there was a couple sitting there that had been trying to get a hold of me for a while. And they've actually, it's, crazy stuff's been happening. And, and one of them should be dead by now, by the way. Okay? Escaped death like six times this last month. And I was like, whoa, what the heck, dude, you're right here. And I was able to, I said, stand up, both of you, because I'm not going to be able to have time later. I said, let's pray. And we had church at Starbucks. 
Which, by the way, if you take the word Starbucks and take ST and put a period and then take the bucks or, or, or Arbucks and separate it, it becomes a church. It's St. Arbucks. <laughs> and so we had church at St. Arbucks. No? You guys do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And we prayed, man. And I was able to, to, to declare forgiveness and, all, and, and power, all the stuff going on in their lives. I couldn't give them advice. Here's what you need to do about this, and here's what you need to do. But they don't need advice. Most of us don't need advice. I'm not even messing with you. We need news. Declarative news. Thank you, Jesus. This is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. You can read it later on here. And he's like, dude, if it's not true, what the heck? Then we're all fake. All this is fake. But if Christ is risen, we're good. Good to go. We got this no matter what. And, and again, I wish I could give you a stick, a magic stick that would help you in all of your quandaries in life and keep you out of difficulties. There is no such thing. Jesus said it this way, actually. In this world, you will suffer tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Teacher, which one is it? Is it suffer or good cheer? Yes. Okay, I'm just going to write that down. You know, <laughs> John 16, In this world, you're going to suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Like, that don't make no dang sense. Until you see that Jesus said that. John 16 on the way to the cross. He was like hours away. How are we gonna do that, Jesus? Because your life is gonna be difficult, just the way it is. And I'm, and I'm gonna rise from the dead, and I'm gonna pay for your sins. Oh, you mean the resurrection changes everything? Eternally and vertically, and even horizontally? Yep, it does, all right, all right. That's good news. The resurrection changes everything. Not just provision, okay, good news, but also gives us power. The resurrection, you see, Jesus Christ broke the bonds of sin and death, and he came back from the dead, and now gives to you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. The power of the resurrected Christ lives inside of you. Does that sound like a pretty big deal? Pretty big deal? Pretty big deal? It's a pretty big deal. Paul would say it this way in Philippians 4.13. Actually, can someone quote Philippians 4.13 for me, please? Just, just one person, not everybody. Bill. I have a $1,000 check for you. I'm just kidding. That was a good teamwork right there. For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul declared through the power of Jesus Christ, I can do all things. And he went on to describe what that meant, by the way. He said, if I've got a lot of stuff going on, it's really cool, I can do that through Christ. If I've got a very little and things aren't going well for me, I can do that through Jesus Christ. Whether things are in or out, up or down, on or off, good or bad, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's my question for you. How are you living your resurrected life right now? Are things difficult for you? Just give me the, the nod of assurance. Yeah, super difficult. Okay. Are things scary for you a little bit? Yeah, you don't know the future. Are, are things wonky and out of line in your life? Anything at all? Yeah, for sure. You have the power of God in Christ Jesus living in you. How? Through the resurrection. Okay. I wonder how many of you guys are trying to figure it out on your own right now. And I just better, you know, show up early, stay late, say yes to everything, and just kind of get it done. Or you can tap into the power, into the spout where the blessings come out. Third thing, moving through this quickly. I'm not moving quick at all today, but anyways. Uh, the third thing the resurrection shows is not just the provision for our sin and the power over the struggles and addictions in our lives. There's power. Matter of fact, we prayed at the 8.30 service this morning. We have an 8.30 prayer time. We prayed for everyone who's addicted who's broken, who's, who's beat down, that they would be delivered this morning. And, and those who are walking in, in addiction, okay, we have a small community. There's a lot of addiction in this community. 
And we have seen countless dozens and hundreds of people <laughs> broke free, walking in freedom, okay? And there are others who are still breaking off that last shackle. And it's through the power of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. It's the power of God. Romans chapter 6 through 8 tells us about the power of God. If you need the power of God, get it from God. Jesus, I need you to break the chains. In this cycle, no more cycling through. I need freedom. Not just provision for sin, but power over sin. Here's the last thing, and the most thing I'm going to talk about today is the purpose then of the resurrection gives us purpose for our life. What in the heck are we doing? What are we doing now that we're alive? I've got freedom from my sin. I've got the power of sin broken in my life. Now what do I do? And here's what I want you to do next is check your pulse. Everyone make sure you got one. If you don't have a pulse, we'll pray for you at the end of the service. I'm just playing with you right now. But okay, I got a pulse. Let me ask you this question. Let's say you died today. And then you were buried. And then three days later, you rose from the dead. And you're at the morgue. You're like, what the heck? Where's my clothes? You know. It's the first thing you'd say. And you find somebody else's clothes and put them on. And you bust out of the morgue because your cell phone's not with you. You can't call nobody. And you bust out. Question. What's the first thing you do? First thing you do tells us a lot about you. First thing you do, if you go right to the gym because you miss leg day, you're like, I miss leg day, it's Monday. Can't miss leg day. <laughs> that tells us a lot about you, like you're a weirdo. Stop. Or, or what if you just go right to the ocean, you're like, I'm going to go paddle out, man. I, miss, I was going to surf on Tuesday, and you just go, I got to catch some waves. I was dead, now I'm alive, and I was surf. <laughs> okay. Or what if you went right back to work, you're like, man, I got some, some stuff, I had an email to reply to, and you go right back to work. Man, you got to get your head checked. Here's the point. Jesus was dead. He died on Friday. He was buried on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he rose from the dead. What Jesus does, as soon as he wakes up, tells us a lot about him. He had the resurrection. And then it tells us a lot about how we should order our lives. What does Jesus do? What's the first thing the resurrected Savior does? The resurrection gives us provision for our sins. Amen. It's done. Te telestai was what Jesus cried out on the cross is a Greek phrase that means payment in full, message delivered, mission accomplished. That's what Jesus cried out. I did it. I did it. It's to done. Every religion has to do's and to don'ts. Christianity has a to done. Jesus did it. Okay? The, the provision. And also the power to walk in. But this is where I want to focus today in the last one minute we have together. Oh, wait. This is the 11 a.m. service. There's no one coming after us. We can do this. We can do this. All the visitors are like, I'm out of here. <laughs> Jesus shows us what his perspective and prerogative was after the resurrection. I'll use this word, what his purpose was. Let's read it, actually. We, we studied this last week. We saw Jesus raised from the dead. Last week, we didn't even see Jesus. If you remember, that is Easter. We, we saw the women, they went to the tomb early in the morning. <laughs> Snot bubbles coming out of their nose. <laughs> They're all sad, you know. And they got to the tomb and the stone was rolled away. And the angels are like, he's not here. And they're like, what the heck? And they go tell the boys. And the boys are like, you're crazy. And yet Peter and John are like, well, you might be so crazy. We better check it out. And they run over to the tomb and check it out. And the tomb's empty. And that's where we ended the story. Where was Jesus at? He wasn't there. Here's what Jesus does after the resurrection. The provision, the power, and now the purpose. I'm just going to tell you what it is before I read it to you. The purpose is, is to find those who don't yet know him. Find those who are outside looking in. Listen, find those who are hurting so bad. Find those who are devastated. This is what Jesus does. Very first thing. He finds those who don't yet know what's going on, and he clues them in. Dude, if you want to be excited about Jesus Christ in Lincoln County right now, know his heart. 
You know what he's doing? He's finding people that are on the outside looking in. He's finding the brokenhearted, the disappointed, the crushed. He is looking for them right now. He's going to use your story, your testimony, your resources, your availability, your ministry, your voice, your personage. He's going to use all of that to communicate the message to them. This makes my job super fun. Okay? God's called me to be a herald of the gospel, to be an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, a friend, a brother, a husband, a dad, in Jesus' name. Following Jesus. Let's read this together. Look at verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day, that is Easter Sunday, to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. These two guys, one we'll give his name in a minute, are leaving Jerusalem after being there for the Passover celebration, walking seven miles back to Emmaus. And they wake up Sunday morning and they look at each other and say, Dude, that was the most bogus weekend ever. That was horrible because they just witnessed Christ, their friend, be betrayed, beaten, eventually killed, and buried and put in the tomb. That was the last thing they saw. And now they wake up. They don't live in Jerusalem. They're walking home and like, dude, this was horrible. Dreams dashed. So they leave, which by the way, I'm just going to read in the story. If you woke up there in Jerusalem on that day and, and all this had happened, what would, you, what would you do? Would you just go straight home? Would you stay there and mourn a little bit? Would you investigate? What would you do? These guys bounce. I'm quitting. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Do you know what Jesus does? He goes after him. Jesus may or may not have a lot to do on his first day of resurrected uh, power. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I just saved the world. All these, these two guys. I'll be right back. <laughs> I love it. There's these two homies. They're not even famous disciples, by the way. This isn't like James and John. Read it with me. Verse 14. And they talked, these two guys, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. And so it was while they conversed and reasoned. They're arguing about, man, what the, what the heck? Did you see this coming? Did you see this coming? Did you? And they're talking, and they're reading scriptures. Like, I don't, this doesn't, uh, uh. They're reasoning, and it happened, verse 15, that while they're reasoning, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. So just get the scene in your eyes right now. They're walking. They're mad. They're kind of yelling at each other. Like, just shut up, dude. You shut up, man. You know, you know how it is when you're fighting, when things don't go your way. All of a sudden, you're just mad at the person next to you. Like, you should have done something. Why didn't you do you, you did this, you dummy, you know? And, and they're walking. And all of a sudden, Jesus, like a ninja, is walking with them. You know what I'm saying? He just kind of Jedi mind tricks. Like, right, I'm right here. Here's Yoda. He just shows up, you know, or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi. He like, just shows up. Walking to Emmaus, and they don't know it's him. Look at what Jesus does in verse 17. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? <laughs> if you don't see the humor in the Bible, you're not reading it right. Just so you know. <laughs> Jesus here, by the way, has his hand over his name tag that says Jesus Christ of Nazareth. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jesus. He's like, oh, God, this is going to be so funny. I'm going to punk these guys. And he asks him, why are you guys so sad? Look at, what the, look at this spicy response in verse 18. Then the one whose name was Cleopas. Now, now they're sad because Jesus died. This guy's double sad because his name was Cleopas. <laughs> am I right or am I right? Poor Cleopas. Cleopas, why are you sad? I'm always sad. Shut up, you know. Then the one whose name was Cleopas 
answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he, that's Jesus, said to them, What things? Now, first of all, this spicy answer. I just want to talk about this. This guy's mad. Jesus strolls up along. He's like, hey, you guys look all bummed out. What's wrong with you? Oh, we look all bummed out. What's wrong with you? You know. <laughs> you know. Are you, the, are you not from around here? Are you new? What's wrong with you? No abla Hebrew? Like, what are you doing? You don't get it. And he's mad at this guy. Which, by the way, I wouldn't recommend getting mad at God or arguing with God. I just, I wouldn't. But if you do, he can handle it. Okay? Just so you know. Your frustrations, your questions your quandaries. Have you ever had one of your kids get super mad at you as, as, an, as a parent? And you're like, dude, I'm just, I'm doing my, I, I'm your parent. I'm, I'm for you, not against you. What's, you know, quit freaking out. And, and this guy's mad at, at God. He's mad at Jesus. And Jesus takes it. What, what things? Tell, tell me some more, Cleopas. What's going on? You think Jesus didn't know what was going on in Cleopas's heart? He totally knew what was going on. And this is how it is for you and me. Right now, every single person sitting here has issues you're dealing with, just burdens. And if you're Smart enough, you'll be like, God knows my burdens. He knows what I'm dealing with. He's not dumb. And yet God would ask you, how you doing? Why are you asking me how I'm doing? You know how I'm doing. You get all mad at him. You see my life, don't you? You're God. And God's like, how you doing? And you know why? It's because God wants you to know, listen, through conversation, that he knows what's going on in your life. There's something powerful about prayer communicating what you're going through. And here's the problem. If you're smart, if you're intellectual, if you're strong, if you get sovereignty, God knows. He knows every single thing. I'm not going to pray about it. Mm. He knows. Or you could cast your burdens on the Lord knowing he cares for you. You could bring them to him. You could trust him. And honestly, half of you maybe will do this. The other half will not this week. You'll just bear your burdens. Mad at God. Mad at life. You don't realize that you're going to mask it in something. And you're going to just be kind of giving God this look. You know, mad. Because you're like, look at my life. This, uh, do something. Uh, you know. And he's going to be like, what's wrong with you? He's like, you know what's wrong. And he, want, he, he really, trip out. He wants you to bear your heart and to have fellowship with him. He could just, couldn't he just, could he not just come along in your life and just do everything for you? Couldn't he do that? Of course he could. He shows up to these two quitters. They're mad. They're reasoning. They're talking about, like, dude, what, 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 what? And here's a little trick. The more you talk about Jesus, eventually you will talk with Jesus, okay? These guys are talking about Jesus, and pretty soon they're talking. Jesus is right there. This is the next level. He's doing something. He asks them, why are you sad? Cleopas kind of goes off. Jesus, verse 19, and he said to him, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers, they delivered him to be crucified and condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping, verse 21, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, man, today's the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who, who arrived at the tomb early, they astonished us when they didn't find his body, and they came saying, oh, we had seen the vision of angels, and it was alive. And that's how they're talking. You ever been mad? Oh, a bunch of women, you know. I love this. A bunch of, a bunch of women showed up. They're telling this stranger. And they went in, 
no Jesus, an angel, you know. They started telling everyone that Jesus was alive. A bunch of charismatic, spirit-filled ladies <laughs> telling people about Jesus. Have you ever met a charismatic, spirit-filled lady telling everyone about Jesus? Her name is Mom. <laughs> so you guys know, you know what I'm saying? You met her, your mom, you got that mom, it's just like, hey, Jesus, you talk all about Jesus. Or maybe it's not mom, maybe it's grandma for you. Or maybe it's wife, or maybe it's aunt or sister, or maybe it's daughter, okay? And God filled these women with the truth, and they went back and told the dudes, and the dudes were hard-hearted and stiff-necked and dull of hearing Jesus is going to rebuke them. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're telling me that the girls went and checked it out, and the guy that you're talking about wasn't there, but some angels told them he was alive, and they told you? And all of this lines up with the scriptures, too? Is that really what's going on? Like, yeah. <laughs> and Jesus, he, he gives them a piece of his mind in a minute. Verse 24, and certain of those who were with us. This is what we did. We went in, into the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Verse 25, then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Stop right there, eyes up here. What does Jesus do on the first day of his resurrection? He finds people who are on the outside looking in, people who are devastated and destroyed. He comes alongside of them. He just asks, how you doing? How's it going? What do you mean, how's it going? You can see my life's crazy right now. Everything's falling apart. Everything I'd hoped and we hoped, we hoped. And then Jesus, at the very end here, we're going to study this portion next week because I just didn't, didn't do it right today. <laughs> Trust me, I didn't do it right today. We're going to study it out better next week. And then Jesus, he rebukes them. Oh, foolish of heart, slow to believe, which is kind of crazy. We're going to study this next week. You know, you know what their biggest problem was? <laughs> you guys have all the evidence. You guys are intellectual wizards. You just told me the whole story. And yet you haven't believed. Did you know there's a chasm between your mind and your heart? It's about 18 inches on average. And it is life and death. And there are intellectual Christians that are not spirit-filled and they are blind. And they can tell you the truth. You can go to an agnostic atheist right now and say, tell me about Jesus. Tell me the story, word on the street. They will tell you the historical truth that we just studied. And yet there is no resurrection power. There is no provision of sins. There is no power over sin. There is no purpose of life. These guys had it. And Jesus said, what are you doing? You have it all. So what does Jesus do? Hey, guys, mind if I walk with you to Emmaus? And he opens up the scriptures, the Bible says. And he begins to teach them everything in the Old Testament that was about him. We're going we're to talk about that next week. That everything in this book is about Jesus Christ. Guys, this is why we're sitting here at the 11 a.m. service today. Because Jesus Christ is real. Because Jesus rose from the dead. That's why we live here. That's why we're doing That's why your life counts right now. Jesus is real. Jesus is risen. This is the hope of the entire world. There is no good advice. This is good news. And it's a declaration from Jesus. And what he asks for you and for me to do is to simply believe it. To simply let that change our lives and our hearts. Jesus is going to do that. You can read ahead if you'd like all the way to verse 35 and see how these guys' lives are changed. We'll study it next week if we get that far. Look at verse 17, though, in closing. What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Some of your translations, it says that when Jesus asked them that, they just stood still. 
they, they were kind of like, what? Did you? And they stopped and stared at them. And Cleopas opens up. I'll tell you why I'm bummed. We, we, we've had our, our dreams dashed. We're, we've had everything taken from us. And Jesus is drawn like a magnet to these two guys. One is not even named. And if you're here this morning, and in your life, not everything has gone perfect. And maybe there's things right now that you're offering to God saying, Lord, where's this going to go? Lord, is this going to fall off? Is this going to fall apart? Jesus would be here this morning going near to you saying, hey, why do you look so sad? Let's talk. Let's get in the word. Let's go back to ground zero and figure it out because there's no lie I won't tear down, no wall I won't kick down, no thing I won't climb up to come after you. It's the reckless love of God, the never-ending, relentless love of God, and he pursues us. And here's the good news. You and I today, we're eternal spirits having a temporary human experience. You guys realize that this is temporary right here, right? Like this is, it's fast. And then we get eternity with Jesus forever and ever and ever. And ever and ever and ever. And ever and ever and ever. And ever and ever and ever. And this is why the resurrection matters. The resurrection is provision for our sin. It's power over the struggle, and it's a purpose in what we're doing. The Bible says without vision, without purpose, we cast off restraint. We get weird, do wonky stuff. We quit. We leave. Can we just pause just quickly and look at these guys? They left Jerusalem early. They'd even heard the reports. The tomb's empty. He's alive. We saw angels. Peace. (laughs) And they bounce. If I were Jesus, you know what I would have said to them? I don't like you anyways. <laughs> That's what I would have said. You know what I'm saying? Someone tries to leave the party earlier, say, I don't want what you have. Like, I didn't want you to have it anyways, you know? That's not what Jesus does. In their difficulty, in their quitterness, in their rebellion, Jesus is like, I'll be right back, angels. I got stuff to do. And he goes on a six-mile walk with these homies. What? The Bible says, we're going to read it next week. You can study ahead. That as they get to Emmaus, they get there. They get to Emmaus, and Jesus keeps walking. And they're like, whoa, whoa bro, hey, homie, you get your name over your name tag. We don't even know your name, you weirdo. Come, come into our house. Come with us, please. And Jesus stops. I was hoping you'd invite me in. I was hoping you'd invite me in. And he goes in, and he sits down, and he grabs some of their food, and he breaks it. And he gives thanks, and he offers it to them. And they're watching, like, Jesus did that, you know. And their eyes are opened up, and he disappears. It's crazy stuff. And he appeared to Peter right after that. He, appe- he went after the, the down and outers, the hurting, the rebels. These guys, by the way, their whole lives change. We'll study it next week. They look at each other. I think, dude, was that? Are you sure? Can you? I can't. Really? What? What? Cleopas? I don't even know your name. What the heck? And they get up in the middle of the night and they go back. They run to Jerusalem. Their whole lives change. The resurrection changes our purpose. What do you live for? What's the most important thing in your life right now? Okay. Maybe it needs an adjustment. God's given you the power. He's giving you the provision. He's given you everything. If he's given to you the, the blessedness of a relationship, a spouse or kids or, or some parents or a hope, God, God wants you to invest in those people. Okay? Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe you're part of the young adult group or you're, you're part of uh, some, some outreach or maybe you're going to go to Israel and, and learn about Jesus or maybe you're going to Lebanon. Do you know where Lebanon 
team leaves in 28 days. 28 days are going to go to the country of Lebanon and, and minister and serve Syrian refugees and nationals. And they're going to go into Muslim homes and, and feed people. And they're going to share their story. And they're going to hear their story. Who would do that? People who know what the resurrection has done. I'm going to have Pastor Ryan and Pastor Marty come up. They're going to lead us in a closing song. And we're going to take communion now. And we're going to celebrate what Jesus has done. And this needs to be your own story. Okay, I believe all this stuff, just so you guys know. I'm in it to win it. I'm not sure where you're at. I don't know what's going on. The resurrection is provision for Luke Frechette's sin. That's why I can stand here. That's why Pastor Ryan and Pastor Marty can stand here. Okay, and there's power in God's life, risen from the dead, for us to walk in fullness. We can overcome the things that we are dealing with now. And there's a purpose to our existence, why we're here, why we do what we do, why we give and live in the way that we do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we prepare to take communion and respond now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you indeed that you've given to us your word, Lord, that declares all of these things, that Jesus, it is all about you. The Bible says that if we lift Jesus up, if we see him on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, that he would draw all men to himself. And today, Lord, that's our desire as we study your word. And as we come to the table now, we lift you up and we say, Jesus, it's all because of you. It's all because of you. Your great grace, your great kindness, your great mercy. And as we take this communion, Lord, we celebrate the provision, Lord, of your death and your blood for our sins, Lord. We're forgiven. And as we take this cup, Lord, in this body, we celebrate the power over sin. And if you're here this morning and you have an addiction, something's going on right now, you need more power. Maybe it's just to be a loving husband. Maybe you're just a jerk. Maybe there's just unrepentant sin. You're just, I can't overcome this. I just have this stinking thinking. I need the power of the resurrected Christ in my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand up right now if you're powerless and need more power? more power to be you, to be, a, to be the mom that God wants you to be, to be the dad that God wants you to be, raise up your hand. Maybe it's a husband-wife thing. My hand's up for all that, Lord. I just need, I want more power. Forgive me, Lord, of trying to caffeinate and do it my way, Lord. It's you. It's the power of God. My hand is up. You can put your hands down. And Lord, maybe it's the purpose. Maybe there's somebody here that's, uh, that's got that, that salvation. They're, they're good and their power's theirs, but they're not doing anything for anybody else. They see people on the streets that are out and about, and they see people that are disappointed and depressed. And Lord, would you, would you fire us up to ask questions and say, hey, what's going on? What's going on? You know what's going on. You know my, my husband left me. You know it's not going well. You know what the doctor just said. Why are you asking me what's going on? Why are you asking why I look sad? And then we can, with power, interject the same things Jesus did and say, hey, let me take you to the Bible. Let me show you what it says, that you might believe and that you might receive you might be changed. So Lord, as we take this time of communion, we celebrate all these things. Would you do them, Holy Spirit? Would you make all this real for us, that we would walk differently? We celebrate now examining ourselves and proclaiming your death until you return. We do this, Lord, as believers. This is believers' communion. We thank you, God, for all you've done. Do more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.